you're in the right place. The place where you can learn to improve your health and achieve wellness naturally. You're in the right place. This is Naturally Speaking, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome into Naturally Speaking, everyone. You've got the Institute of Natural Health here. I am Dr. Seth Gerlach, one of your hosts, in with Dr. TJ Williams and with Miss Erin Flynn. So we at the Institute of Natural Health, we're an integrative health and wellness clinic. That means there's multiple different kinds of doctors in the clinic, and we all weigh in on every single case that walks in the door. It makes us kind of unique, and it gives the patient the best chance of getting better. That's why we really love what we do. We practice something called functional medicine. It's a medicine of getting to the root cause of people's problems. Instead of just giving them a pill for an ill or a supplement for that, it's about really getting to what's causing this person's health condition and how do we get that fixed so we can get the person better. That's what it's all about. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I was sick as a, a teenager, as a child. Uh, I was on multiple different medications. I'd been to a gastroenterologist, a neurologist, pediatrician, general practitioner. <clears throat> I had migraines, vertigo, back pains, abdominal pains, any pain, I, I had it. it his, pretty. his pinky toe hurt. That's what I'm getting here. Looking pretty. Dr. TG makes fun of me still. I do. So anyway, after going to all these different doctors and trying these handfuls of medications, nothing really worked, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't any better until I really got into this natural health phenomenon here. I, fixed, or I learned how to really fix myself from the ground up, get a good foundation first, and now I'm as healthy as ever, and it's really great. So I can do that with other patients now, and that's what, that's what really drives me. So Dr. TJ Williams is here. Do you want to tell a little bit about yourself? You, you did such a good job talking about yourself. You, feel free to talk about myself. Cool. Dr. TJ, he wasn't sick as I was as a kid, but... He was always learning as a kid, and he really got into natural health. He was the uh, team doc at the University of Arkansas. He has a Ph.D. Woo pig. I know. I know. I I can't help it. I can't help it. (laughs) Um, Dr. Chiropractic, he has a Ph.D. in uh, physiology. So he's teaching all over the country, lecturing on various topics, and he's always lecturing and teaching people in the clinic, too. So glad to have him on board. Erin uh, over here, she is in studio with us. She's going to be asking certain questions that hopefully you at home will answer. So she's our patient in studio, per se. And she's here to keep us on track also because sometimes Dr. TJ is over. You can't see him, but he's sometimes over in the corner, like chasing butterflies and stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you heard that bump, it wasn't a pothole that you were hitting. Uh, that was the bus running over my over me. Yes. I mean, wow. I'm just kidding. Dr. TJ, I'm just kidding. That's okay. We like to have some fun. We do. We anyway, do. you got to be able to take it if you dish it, right? That's right. So today we have a good topic. We're talking about fatigue because so many people come to us with the uh, a symptom or a problem of fatigue. So we have to figure out what's causing that fatigue. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm fatigued. Oh, let's give you a pill for that. There's no magic bullet for fatigue because so many different things can cause fatigue and it's involved in so many different disease processes. So do you want to jump in here? Today we're going to talk about all the different things that can cause fatigue. And at the end, we're going to talk about steps you can take at home if you have fatigue to hopefully get you back on your feet. Well, I want to start out with a question. Um, does this really come down to lack of sleep? Is that 
really what we're talking about. People aren't getting enough sleep, and so they are suffering from fatigue. That's a, that's a great question, and you know it does it does have to do with sleep, but it's less about well, I don't. I, it's very difficult to answer. Most people don't get enough sleep, and what little sleep they do get, they don't get quality sleep. So even if someone does get, you know, their seven eight hours of sleep, which they try to tell us that they get, and I don't I don't believe them. Uh, once you get them to tell you, okay, when do you when do you actually go to bed? Now when do you fall asleep? Yeah, it's maybe seven eight hours when they go to bed to when they wake up, but they forget to tell you that they're laying or they're wide awake for two hours while they're trying to fall asleep because their mind is racing. Well, that's a whole thing in and of itself. But yeah, there's there's things that can be done with sleep. You know, we we really encourage people to get into a nighttime routine, turn the television off early, read a book, things like that. So it it's not just sleep. There are a lot of other things. Vitamin deficiencies can can cause problems with sleep. Well, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. While we're on sleep, though, you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, go for it. Cool. Um, like you said, some people just lay in bed. You say, well, I'm in bed at 10, you know, but they don't end up falling asleep till 1130 midnight because they're up watching Jimmy Fallon and... Jimmy Kimmel and streaming Netflix on yep. their computer on their on their uh, on their bed there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So some people they don't even know you know they're getting they're not getting eight they're getting five and six hours of sleep, and if you do that chronically you do that every day for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years, your body just gets run down. I mean it's as simple as that because you when you sleep your body heals and repairs itself and we're constantly in need of healing and repairing just cuz the nature of what we do you know yeah and that, that's exactly right how we heal and repair that's a great point you know I, I like to tell people look back at at an, an infant most of us have been around a baby um when you know some point in our life and look at how much a baby sleeps what are they doing they're growing and they're learning and they're trying to repair their body i mean think about how many times if a toddler is running around how many times do they fall down a day Tons. They fall down a lot. And so that's little bitty damage things that are going on that their body is having to repair. And they sleep 12 to 15, 16 hours a day. They should. They should. Some don't. You're right. Some don't. And they don't because, you know, parents are feeding them full of sugar. Um, Well, that's a a whole story in and of itself. But, (laughs) yeah, so anyway. Uh, Another thing I was going to talk to you about because a lot of people, they come in, they're like, I I, I wish I could sleep, but I have trouble falling asleep. Or they say, you know, I fall asleep easily, but then I wake up at, you know, 3 o'clock every morning. And these could be a couple of different problems, too. So if you're having trouble falling asleep, it could be that your neurotransmitters are out of balance or out of whack. Well, we threw out a big word, ladies and gentlemen, neurotransmitters. Yes. These are just chemicals in your brain that should be in balance. When they're out of balance, we get some symptoms. One of those could be we have trouble falling asleep. Or it could be adrenal issues. You never adrenals are little glands that sit on top of your kidneys, and I, I kind of explain them as they're your reserve tank. When you're stressed, they spit out a bunch of chemicals to keep you going in the meantime until you get some rest. Yeah, that's right. So when that when those are run down, that messes with your your circadian rhythm, so your waking and sleep cycle, and then everything's just out of whack. And when that's out of whack, it's really hard to get someone better. How do you actually know if your adrenals are out of balance? Is it just looking at the problems with sleep or are there other ways? Cause my understanding is it's not an easy thing to test or at least doctors don't generally test for it. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question too. It's not as easy as just taking them out and putting them on a scale and seeing, you know, right or the, or a blood test like the adrenal test. Right. <laughs> it's it's really a it's a very complicated combination of things. So you you, you can't just look at a blood lab and uh, or or test and say across the board, well, just because everything appears normal, everything is normal because things could be at the high or low end of the range. And if you get enough of those out of balance, it's it's tending to tell us that we've got some some adrenal issues. Um, you can test things like cortisol. Your adrenal glands um, push this stuff out, and you know that's a hormone that's associated with stress and high levels of stress. And people who are really stressed out, their cortisol levels are elevated. But you know, just looking at one test doesn't really tell you a lot of information. We want to see what people's stuff is doing over time because. You know, just because your cortisol level is maybe just a scotch high, it's just a just a little bit high. Well, okay, that may be just where you are. And if you don't test that repeatedly, you know, not every week, but you know, every two to three months, you'll never know. You'll never know what a baseline is. But if you just test this one time and we work with you and start to lower that cortisol, we may figure out that your cortisol needs to be half of what it was. And that little bit high was really a tremendous load on your body. Yeah, and there's there's other telltale signs, too, at home. Um, if you're putting together the puzzle of this adrenal thing, uh, one would be like you crave salt all the time because the adrenals help regulate the minerals in your body. So if you mm-hmm. crave salt all the time, that's one thing. Um, if you get lightheaded when you stand up from, from sitting down, that's another telltale sign. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I have? Oh, the, uh, pupillator response. We do this, I do this on almost everyone that comes in. So if you shine a light in your eye, uh, your, your eye should constrict. And if it can't, if the pupil can't constrict for more than, what is it, 20 seconds, I think? Yeah, something like that. It's, hold, it's on a chart in our office. We, it, this, these are numbers we don't try to remember. Anyway, most people, their pupils constrict and then it goes right back to dilated because they can't, the body is under so much stress it can't handle anymore right and these are we're talking about muscle control these are some of the smallest muscles in the body teeny tiny little things and when when they're not working it's just showing us that well it's not going to be long till other muscles aren't working and you know there's there's problems there so can a problem with your adrenals cause you to not be able to fall asleep and also to wake up in the middle of the night are those two separate things um it could be so the adrenals they spit out something called cortisol, and cortisol is high when melatonin is low. Melatonin helps us fall asleep. So if cortisol is high all the time, then melatonin can't come up to help us fall asleep. Um, but if we're also having like blood sugar swings in the middle of the night, uh, like if your blood sugar drops per se at like 3 a.m. or something, mm-hmm. and you, say, you hear someone say, I wake up at 3 a.m. every night, that could be your blood sugar just dropping and you're spitting out cortisol to raise your blood sugar, but that in turn wakes you up. So it's yes and yes. So you mentioned melatonin. I know a lot of people take that to fall asleep. Is that something you recommend? I mean, it's okay for a little bit, and it's okay for some people in small doses, but instead of just taking melatonin every night for the rest of your life, why not You know, figure out why you can't sleep? All right. That's, right. A, that's just my thought over here. Yeah. It's, it's a simple thought. It's a simple, simple thought. So what other things can cause fatigue? Oh, that is a great question, Aaron. And why don't we dive into that after the break here? All right. All right. So you're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. 
is a better way to live. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking from the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome back into Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. Today we're talking about fatigue. On the first segment, we talked about sleep and how it affects us. Talked about how much how much we should get, and then we jumped into blood sugar a little bit also. So, what else do you guys want to talk about with fatigue? There's so many different things that can cause fatigue. How about um, like vitamin mineral status? You want to talk about vitamin D? Yeah, that's, it's a that's really a, important one. It is. It's extremely important. So vitamin D, we test in every single person that comes in the door just because it's so important and vital for health. Aren't there a lot of people that are deficient in vitamin D? I keep hearing about vitamin D deficiencies. Yeah, uh, it's it's really epidemic numbers of people that are deficient. We we Like Seth was saying, we, we test vitamin D on everyone that comes in our office. And of all the people that we've tested, we've actually only had two two individuals that have had vitamin D levels that were in the optimal range. Now, this is a much higher range than than you know, what the medical establishment notices for, for health for vitamin D levels, but that's neither here nor there. But both of these two athletes were professional athletes, or both these two people were professional athletes, and they're track athletes. So they're outside in the sun for eight hours a day, many, 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 many days of the year. This whole go out and get 15 minutes of sun on your face is just, I mean, it's that's pitiful. It's not even going to be close to enough sunlight if you're trying to get sunlight to give you your vitamin D. Most people have to supplement with vitamin D. Well, the thing is, too, most people north of, what is it, the Atlanta line? Yeah, the, or, li- the line that runs from Atlanta to Dallas to Phoenix. It's a horizontal line. If you look on a map, ladies and gentlemen, all of those cities are basically in a straight line across the country. If you live north of there... The sun isn't really strong enough to properly allow your the conversion of vitamin D to happen in the skin. And that's why the biggest majority of our country lives north of those that line, and we're, that's where we're deficient in vitamin D. Yeah, so it's, that's, it's, it's really important to test your vitamin D because it can cause so many different symptoms, not only fatigue. It could also cause joint pain, weight gain, poor focus, headaches, cramping. Uh, poor immune function. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's just so many things that vitamin D is associated with. And, and it helps to prevent 17 different types of cancer. Wow. 17. 17. <laughs> so we always hear, though, that you shouldn't be outside very often. We all, you know, need to worry about skin cancer. So are we supposed to be outside or are we not? I, I'm a big fan of being outside. I'm I'm actually a big fan of being outside as much as you can be out there in as natural environment as you can possibly be. So without slathering on the, the, the uh, sunscreens and such. Now, you know, that, that changes if you've got a history of, of skin cancer. I mean, that I, I'm not going to tell you to go outside and don't put on suntan lotion just, or sunscreen just because, you know, it's better for you, especially if, if you're like history. What if you're like me and you're just really pale? If you're really pale and transparent, that's that's another thing. I didn't you know, say transparent. Oh, oh, I did. <laughs> I did. Sorry. Um, yeah, it, every person is different. The, the What you don't want to do is go outside and get sunburnt. Right. That is the worst thing you can do. So if you're fair-skinned, by all means, you've got to do something to prevent burning. But if you're, if you're going to tan and, and I, I say, you know, Get out there as much as you can. 
my recommendation is uh, Environmental Working Group. I don't know if you've heard of them, but check them out. Oh, yeah. EWG.org. That's it. Yeah. Go check them out. And they rate sunscreens. I think they do it every year. Yeah. Because the formulas change every year. Yeah. And so they'll rate like the good ones, the bad ones, which ones have the least amount of chemicals, they're most natural. Find those and yeah. put them on your kids, put them on yourself. But if you're going to do that, maybe get a little bit of sun first, you know, 10, 15 minutes, because the sun, most sunscreens block uh, that vitamin D absorption. Or right. they'll, they'll stop it. So that's right. One. So, do you recommend that most people supplement vitamin D? Yeah, pretty much everyone supplements vitamin D that comes to our clinic. Um, it's very important to have form, um, the proper form of vitamin D. A lot of people that come to us, they're they'll tell us, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm on a vitamin D supplement, but their vitamin D level is 11." Why are that's not good? Why no. are people's vitamin D levels so low? Is something depleting it, or is it just that we're not out in the sun enough? You know that's a that's a great question, and I wish there were a simple answer to that. There never is. No, there. And I, I feel like this is one of those episodes where we're just like, well, yes and no, maybe. And it's really true until and the this question seems simple enough, but the answers are extremely complicated and are very tailored to the person. So just because we're giving a general answer doesn't mean that it's the answer that is for you. So I just talked myself into a circle, and I'm not really sure what the question was. I liked it. <laughs> I liked what you did over there. You like what I did there? And I think we. I, I should be a politician now. I just completely yes. avoided whatever it was and told you what I wanted to tell you. The question was, is something deplete? Why are we so I, deficient? I like steaks. Yeah. That, How's that? Thanks. That's, that's helpful. I like it. <laughs> Another thing, too, we sometimes we test uh, genetics on people. Wait, wait a minute. Before oh, we go boy. to genetics. Yeah. Uh, what what was the question again? It are, is something depleting vitamin D? Why he are we knows. so deficient? Oh, yeah. I don't want to answer that question. Go ahead. So sometimes we test genetics, and some people have a genetic defect where they can't use vitamin D as readily as someone else could. Right. So there, there, there's your answer. Yes, there are things that are depleting vitamin D. Uh, if you're starting out low in the tank anyway, and your vitamin D is really low, and you have a genetic thing that is keeping it low and you supplement with just a little bit of vitamin D, you may need massive doses of vitamin D. And there's actually a book. Um, I just saw it the other day, and I am excited to get this book in. Um, Seth and I were talking about it for, I don't know, 20 minutes or so one day. It's talking about superphysiologic dosing of vitamin D. It's really, really high doses of vitamin D and how beneficial it can be for the body. I can't speak to it yet because I haven't read the book, but I'm very excited about getting the book. So so is there too much vitamin D? Can you take too much? Yeah, you can take too much. You can actually make yourself sick if you get if you get way too much. So they do need to get – people do need to get tested yeah, and you not should, just start taking yeah. a bunch of vitamin D. Yeah, the, the rule of thumb in our clinic is if your vitamin D is low and uh, you know below optimal, we're testing it every month until we get it to optimal, and then once we get it to the optimal level – of what we want, we're testing it every three months for at least a year just to make sure that we're not shooting the moon, not getting too high, um, because people's level of vitamin D changes. Some people do spend a lot of time out in the sun. Some people go garden or they take off and go to Arizona for a couple of months. Who knows what they're doing? But their level of vitamin D need will change. And so we want to make sure that we don't get too high and get too low, and we figure out over the course of a year or so, what someone's daily vi vitamin D need will be, whether that's 1,000 IUs, 2,000 IUs, or 8,000 IUs. We, we don't know. Everyone's different. But I guess if that's the cause of their fatigue, they'll see an improvement once they get their vitamin D level up? Yeah, the, 
you know, vitamin D is a, usually just a player in fatigue. It's I've never seen anyone where it's just vitamin D that's the problem. Well, then let me ask this, because I noticed, and I don't know if this was just, you know, unique to me, but when I found out what food sensitivities I had and started eating the way that I was supposed to eat, my fatigue and and actually my inability to sleep, I'm guessing those are tied together, but they, you know, my fatigue has gone away. So are those things tied together or were there other things going on? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. We, we hammer on food sensitivities a lot on, on this show and, and, uh, you know, here, here we go again on food sensitivities, <laughs> but it's, it's really true. Foods, like we've said before, either build you up or break you down. And just because something is a health food does not mean that it's healthy for you. And, you know, you may be sensitive to broccoli and you're eating a lot of broccoli and it's creating problems for you. And yeah, it can make you tired. Um, I know people that like myself, if I get into a lot of dairy, it will make me sleepy. I, I want to take a nap after that. And there's really not that many foods out there that I feel that way. Yeah. Well, and I know I've said this to you guys before. Um, strangely, with dairy with me, if I eat it, I will it's like I have narcolepsy. I fall asleep for like 30 minutes and then I'm totally fine. But I cannot stay awake. Right. Um, if I have a little bit, I don't notice that as much. But I mean, if I was to have like pizza or drink a glass of milk, it's crazy. Right. Um, night, Aaron. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you know how to shut me up. If yep. I <laughs> Drink this. Yeah. yeah. Here, just have a little bit of this exactly. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Why but not? I just I thought that was interesting with. You know, what I experienced because I'd actually been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. And then when it went away, when I was eating what I was supposed to eat, I thought, why had nobody told me this? Right. Um, because I think a lot of people get a diagnosis of chronic fatigue and then they think, well, I can't change it because right. they think I just, just have sentence. chronic fatigue. Right. So, yeah, I guess my question with that is if someone has been diagnosed to you guys, are there things that they can even change, even with a diagnosis? That's a great question, and there's absolutely things you can do to change because a diagnosis is not your destiny. You know, you can do things to change this and wrap this up. But uh, when we uh, coming up next, Aaron, let's talk more about how to do that. We can talk about more things that can cause fatigue. You are listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big Five Fifty KTRS. a better way to live welcome back to naturally speaking naturally speaking from the institute of natural health on ktrs welcome back to naturally speaking with the institute of natural health i'm one of your hosts dr seth gerlock and with dr tj williams and miss aaron flynn we are talking about fatigue today all different kinds of fatigue what causes fatigue and uh, over the break we we're talking about aaron's journey a little bit with chronic fatigue syndrome and how she got diagnosed with chronic fatigue and that really didn't lead her in anywhere didn't give her any answers right i didn't even get a pill for that i just got a well it's chronic fatigue see ya congratulations <laughs> Wait, the diagnosis didn't fix it no it didn't oh. it did nothing well let's uh let's get into other things that can cause fatigue what do you say and this is the one that Dr. TJ and I like to talk about a lot is toxins or even heavy metals because we live in a toxic world. I don't know if you know this, but over 80,000 different chemicals have been released in 
to the air, water, and land since World War II. It's crazy. Yeah. And many of them have not been tested for safety, and none of them have been tested for safety when they combine with another chemical, what makes it even scarier. Yeah. It's it's petrifying, really. We're we're just bombarded on a daily basis. All you all you have to do is wake up and you're being bombarded. You're being bombarded while you're sleeping because there's just no way to keep these chemicals out of your out of your house. Um and you're if you don't have filters and things on your on your water at your house, you're showering in these chemicals. Even if you drink bottled water or or distilled water, I I distill my own water at my house. Um you you're you're just being exposed to all these chemicals. Yes. Atrocious. So and what it, do we do? Because you guys are a ray of sunshine here. Hey, we're um, trying to be. We're trying to be <laughs> on the bright side. Hey, it e- even happens before we're even born because remember that study we saw? It's oh, yeah, yeah. almost 300 chemicals in the cord blood of infants before they're born. So we're toxic before we come out of the womb. Yeah. So has that toxic. always been the case? Toxic at conception. Think about that for a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. True. It has not always been the case with the highly industrialized planet we live on now. There's more pollution. There's more toxins. There's pesticides and fungicides and herbicides everywhere. You know the average person, Aaron, consumes over a gallon of pesticides and herbicides each year from eating conventionally grown fruits and vegetables? Each year? Each, each year. <laughs> a gallon. That is scary. Yep. So, so this can keep you from falling asleep? Well, or make you really tired, not necessarily keep you from falling asleep, but it can oh, yeah. make you make you We're talking stay about asleep. Fatigue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she flipped the she flipped the the coin there, ladies and gentlemen. This is where yeah. we keep TJ on track. We make sure he's paying attention. Well, we <laughs> throw so him many... a curveball. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was planned. I liked it. Yeah. That was totally that was, planned. That was good. Yeah, all part good. of my um, plan. To... So, what was our topic again today? I'm not really sure now. <laughs> I'm all confused. <laughs> So oh, what can people do with heavy metals or with, you know, other toxins that aren't heavy metals? So here's here's something that's that I just want to throw out there. We do a lot of heavy metal testing in the office. Um, sometimes we challenge for these things. Sometimes we don't. But even if someone comes to us, we just had a gentleman uh, a couple of weeks ago come to us, uh, spent most of his life in, in New York. And the Lyme disease is very prevalent in the, in the Northeast. And he came in with a diagnosis of Lyme disease. He brought in all of his paperwork. He, for sure, he has Lyme disease. But we said, you know what? Let's double check and make sure you weren't exposed along the along the way. You know, we know that municipal water supplies are heavily toxic. We, we're dealing with things like that. I mean, everyone has heard about the Flint, Michigan crisis that happened here a couple of months ago, and you know, pipes, water pipes in these cities are are made with lead. Well. This guy tested off the chart for lead. He's got Lyme disease, which causes fatigue. Lead also causes fatigue. So he's got a double whammy here. Whammy brought it brought in Anchorman. Yep. Whammy. <laughs> whammy. And another heavy metal is mercury too. It's a really really toxic one. Um, <clears throat> and we ask people every time when they come in, you know. Uh, do you have cavities? Do you know what they're filled with? Because sometimes dental amalgams, the silver ones, they can be filled with mercury, and those can be leaching off just all day, every day, and you're just consuming that. And it it, it frustrates me because the American Dental Association says, oh, these are safe, these are safe. But there's – and then there's um, restrictions in place to even dispose of mercury safely. 
Right. But then we're just throwing them in people's mouths. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Well, I and don't understand. I think, you know, I had known that if you had mercury fillings, that could be an issue. But I, what, it was maybe two years ago, found out that I was extremely high in mercury. Right. And I still have absolutely no idea what, um, why I am high in mercury. If it's, I think the guess is that I have some sort of difficulty processing it. But it's not just people who have mercury fillings. Right. Right. Where where were you exposed? Who know you had to have been exposed somewhere. Right. Did, did you did you drink th- uh, break a thermometer and drink it when you were a child? Don't doesn't everyone? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Now we know, ladies and gentlemen, now we know. Oh. <laughs> Zing. Yeah, but we know mercury is directly toxic to cells, especially nervous tissue, so brain, spinal cord. Yeah, it also hangs out in your kidneys, your liver, and it just you know it just drains you. It's one of the most potent neurotoxins on the planet. Yep, kills nerves. Yeah, it's also in vaccines. Uh, that's where a lot of people get it too. Um, in the pres- in the ones with the preservatives in it. Yeah, at least exactly. <clears throat> what else do you want to talk about, Aaron? What do we got here? She's, she's, question? she's shuffling through papers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, she's trying to she's trying to play stump the doctors, I can tell. What about anemia? Because I know that's another thing I've heard a lot about, especially, you know, women frequently have problems with low iron. Um, can't that cause fatigue? It, it can. That's a great question. So if we're if we're anemic, um, that just means we have low levels of iron. Um, that means that our red blood cells aren't able to. Um, carry oxygen as well as if we had plenty of iron. It's really what that boils down to. I, I made that super simplistic. There's, it's That's a little more complicated. Like. But, <laughs> I appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> super simple. And and so if you're not able to carry oxygen around the body, you are definitely not going to have the energy because we have to have oxygen to make adequate n- amounts of energy. Yep. While we're on that subject, I want to talk about water consumption Ooh. because water is hydrogen and oxygen. So you said we need oxygen for energy. Oxygen is the number one nutrient needed for health, really. Everyone needs oxygen. Without yep. oxygen, we die. We, we forget about that. You know, One thing I like to throw out in the clinic, and Seth has heard me say this over and over again, is we can go for weeks without food, days without water, but merely minutes without oxygen. And we just overlook that. I don't know why, but we do. I don't know. We need lots of oxygen. But we, we, we test everyone that comes in to see their hydration level. And believe it or not, I don't has I don't know, a couple of people have been yep. hydrated. Yeah, we just one, had we one just had one day. here the other day. Yep. Yeah. It was amazing. We we're like, what in the world? Yeah. This is unheard of. Just like vitamin D. Right. Yeah. Most people are chronically it's, dehydrated. They don't even know. It's a pleasant surprise when they're not. Is that is it simply not drinking enough water or is there something that causes you to be dehydrated even if you're because I I think I have had that test at your office, and I was dehydrated. I drink a lot of water. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there are a lot of things that go into being able to actually absorb water. It's not just drinking. I've, I've said on the show before, we are not what we consume. We are not what we eat. We are merely what we absorb. And if your body's not set up in a way to where you have enough minerals to make sure that the membrane of the cells are healthy to absorb the water, to accept the water, you'll never get the water in your system. And you're if someone's coming in telling us I, I drink tap water, I can without running the test, I can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be dehydrated. The people who have a better chance, who are usually more hydrated, are those who are a little um, more health conscious regarding water consumption, and they either 
put lemon juice in their water or they put a little lime in their water or they add some salt to their water. They change the water up a little bit, and then they're definitely drinking bottled water, distilled water, things like that. They're definitely not drinking tap water. Yeah, and I like to give them an analogy. If you're not drinking enough water, which most people are not, so I, the ideal is at least half an ounce of water per body weight. So that means if you... Per pound of body weight. Did I not say that? No, you forgot it. Oh, okay. He was, I don't know what he was doing over here, ladies and gentlemen. Now he's just talking. <laughs> he's just talking to hear himself talk now. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for keeping me on track. Yeah, you're welcome. You might want to start that over again. No, I'm, I'm good. Oh, okay. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you, you'll need at least 100 ounces of water a day. That's the bare minimum. Right. But if you're already dehydrated, you're going to need more than that to replenish. And if you have coffee or tea yeah. or anything like that, yep. you're definitely going to need. Yep. And you you need plenty of water in your system to keep the, the organs flowing, You know, the organ systems flowing naturally. Think of it like sludge going through your veins instead of a river you know that's a good analogy people are like oh yeah that's gross right you know? <laughs> but green tea works right green tea is the only substance other than water that counts as water i've learned that on the show yes yes so so i have a question um i don't know if we have time to talk about this but i was just thinking um what about you know other illnesses you know a virus or Bacteria effect infection, can that cause fatigue? Absolutely, Aaron. That's a great question. You know what? Um, on the other side of this break, let's talk about viruses. And I also want to talk about steps that people can take at home if they're suffering from fatigue. So stick with us. It's going to be a fast and furious last segment here. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. better way to live welcome back to naturally speaking naturally speaking from the institute of natural health on ktrs hey guys welcome back to naturally speaking with the institute of natural health today we're talking about fatigue touched on a lot of subjects already and aaron brought up a point before we went to break about uh viruses so viruses can be a huge drain on the body and we actually test these in our office and you'd be surprised how many people are suffering from these chronic viral infections and they don't even know it. So, TJ, what are the, what are the big virus, the viruses we test? Big ones we test are uh, Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, herpes virus 1, 2, and 6. Um, we, we test 6. 6 is kind of unique. Um, it's actually a light switch. It can, it can operate a light switch, so it can actually activate Epstein-Barr virus and I know I just threw out all the official names. Epstein-Barr virus is what most people know of as mono. Um, a lot of people had mono as a kid, or they got it when they went off to college, or whenever. And this thing can actually be turned on and activated if you have high levels of herpes 6 virus in your body. And so now we've got a double whammy, forgive the pun again, um, back on back on the body. And you know, these things are very difficult to, to take care of. They're very difficult to treat. Um, they're difficult to, to get rid of, but they put a tremendous burden on the body, um, especially in the area of water consumption. People that have these viruses need lots more water than they ever thought that they would need just to function on a daily basis. Yeah, that's so true. And like I said, there's so many people out there, they don't even know they're, they're struggling trying to fight off these chronic viral infections all so day. Are they not tested? 
I mean, if you go to a medical doctor and you're suffering from fatigue, I'm just thinking I was never tested for these. Is it something that is ever tested? Rarely. They, you might get tested for Epstein-Barr if you show up to the hospital or your doctor and you've got mono. They're likely just going to run a mono spot test. Is that and, the same thing? Um, not quite. So I, it, it would take too long to explain the differences just for this show. And for the purposes of this show, it's not that important. But, yeah, there's there's a difference. And well, so, are they connected? Like if you and if this isn't an easy answer, tell me. But if you've had mono, is are you more apt to have Epstein-Barr virus? If, if you had mono, you do have Epstein-Barr, but you may have Epstein-Barr even though you didn't have mono. Is it possible that you have Epstein-Barr, but it's not bothering you? Um, oh, no, it's bothering you. It's creating you just problems. Don't know. You just don't know. Because, I mean, a lot of people have had mono, right? Right. Mm. Lots of people have. The conventional thinking, Aaron, is that once, well, most people are going to get mono. They're going to get Epstein-Barr. It's just going to lay dormant. It's not going to affect you the rest of your life. And you can't do anything about it. But Epstein-Barr has been tied to lots of diseases and conditions. There are textbooks written on this stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that stuff today, but just know that it can create lots of problems later in life. It's not going to happen when you're 20, when you get mono, but it's definitely going to happen when you're 40, 50, 60, and beyond. Yep. So get tested. All right, guys. So we're going to jump into steps to take at home if you have fatigue or you know someone that has fatigue. Um, listen up. Uh, number one is going to be an anti-inflammatory diet. We talked a little bit about food sensitivities. That's obviously the next step. A good place to start is anti-inflammatory. So limiting grains, limiting sugars, eating good fats. There are lots of cookbooks out there dealing with anti-inflammatory foods. Check them out. They're great. Next is get to sleep. Try to go to bed earlier. Uh, preferably go to sleep at the same time each night and wake up at the same time each morning. Even on the weekends. Even on the weekends. And usually people get their best sleep before 11 o'clock also. Preferably before 10. That's even better. Right. Really. Right. That that's actually there are studies that actually show that yep. best sleep happens before ten or eleven o'clock. Yep. Um in your bedroom, you know, keep it dark. No T V, no iPad, no iPod before bed. No alarm clock. You you should have no light, especially no light bulb that is blue. There you go. Uh drink a minimum of half an ounce of water per pound of body weight. We already talked about that a little bit. Increase that if you're dehydrated. Uh, next is take time throughout the day to exercise, move, de-stress. If you're at your job, take 15 minutes. Um, you could walk around, go outside, or even sit quietly, you know, and just recharge the batteries. Do a little meditation, deep breathing. Do, do some jumping jacks. I mean, what, what, what's somebody sitting next to you going to do if you do some jumping jacks? Ooh. Make fun of you? I mean, then you can just look at them and be like, what, wait, I'm trying to take care of my health? What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, but if you have fatigue, jumping jacks may seem. Hey, it may seem. But, you know, I didn't say you had to do 100. Do Five. Yeah. Push-ups, lunges, squats. That's easy to do right in a square area. Yeah. Uh, next, get your vitamin D level checked because it's so important to know your vitamin D number. Um, we like it up around 75-ish. That's where most studies have shown that's where optimal health is. So try these steps out at home. If you still are fatigued, if you still got problems, there's probably some of these underlying factors that we talked about today going on. And it's going to be really important to get those tested and find out what those are so you can get ahead of the curve and start beating that back. And we, well, oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but you had talked about going and, you know, getting checked with your vitamin D. But it just I was thinking if they've gone to their doctor, is it possible that they could even be taking a medication that makes them tired? Oh, Absolutely. And that could be a whole other show, too. But right. I tend many, to do that at the end you of do. shows. I like the way you do that. <laughs> but many medications, the first side effect is fatigue. 
You know, so if, if you're fatigued and you're on multiple medications, check your side effect list or ask your doctor because um, that could definitely be affecting you. So if you're interested in anything we talked about today, um, check out our website at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook also uh, at Naturally Speaking Radio. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question to ask on the air. Uh, or come and get tested. Find out really what's going on with your health and take control of it. We love helping people take control of their health. All right, guys, so until next week, it's been a fun one. You've been listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. This has been Naturally Speaking, the show that helps you improve your lifestyle naturally. Naturally Speaking. For more information about the Institute of Natural Health or this show, contact them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. 